Again, if you look at Hong Kong versus our so-called keen competitors or related competitors, uh, like uh, exports of Singapore, export of uh, South Korea, export of Japan, they all declined much worse than us last year. Mm. So we are not doing that bad in a bad year, in one <laughs> right. way or another. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to end it there on a positive note because we've, sadly we've run out of time. But thank you very much sure. for talking to us this morning, Nicholas. Thank That's you. Nicholas Kwan, who's Director of Research at the Hong Kong Trade Development Council. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, first of all, over in Australia, the SX200 is now rising about 0.6%. The Nikkei 225 has also turned positive. It's up about 0.1%. The, the Cosby down slightly, down 0.1%. Looks like the Hang Seng now is going to add about 100 points at the open when we get going in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, uh, gold is trading at $1,558 an ounce, and uh, Brent crude oil right now is at $64, uh, $64 a barrel. And in the currency markets, the US dollar is trading at 109.9 Japanese yen. That's it for Money Talk this morning. There'll be more tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, so do please tune in then. Back chat's coming up after the 8.30 news. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, sunny periods during the day, maximum temperature is going to be about 23 degrees and the outlook is for it to be slightly cooler with sunny periods in the next few days and the temperatures will rise gradually midweek next week. The temperature right now is 19 degrees and it's 85% relative humidity. 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. The US and China have signed a partial deal aimed at easing the 18-month trade war between the world's two biggest economies. Standing alongside Vice Premier Liu He at the White House, President Trump said it was a big step forward. This is a very important and remarkable occasion. Today we take a momentous step, one that has never been taken before with China, toward a future of fair and reciprocal trade as we signed phase one of the historic trade deal between the United States and China. Together we are righting the wrongs of the past and delivering a future of economic justice and security for American workers, farmers and families. Mr Trump said tariffs would remain in place until a future second phase of the deal was concluded so the US would have cards in its hands to negotiate. The phase one deal contains pledges for China to buy a total of $200 billion worth of US goods in the manufacturing, energy, agriculture and service sectors. In a letter, President Xi Jinping said the deal showed how the two countries could resolve their differences based on dialogue. Health services sector lawmaker Joseph Lee says Hong Kong is still at a high risk of having an outbreak of the new Wuhan virus here. The cases of a husband and wife in Wuhan have given rise to concerns of human-to-human transmission of the new coronavirus. Hong Kong has been isolating people who've fallen ill after visiting Wuhan, but so far there have been no confirmed cases in the SAR. Mr Lee expressed concern about whether Hong Kong's overloaded public hospitals could cope with an outbreak. He suggested health officials step up surveillance supports. Some of our neighbours like Taiwan or Singapore or even Britain, they have already do a very vigilant measures on this surveillance, like purposely isolated, in quotation, those visitors return from Wuhan in the airport or even going to the plane for checking temperature. That is some of the vigilance measures, surveillance measures that will make the public assure that the government is doing their best, try to limit the outbreaks in Hong Kong. 
The Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, has signed the articles of impeachment, which have now been sent to the Senate, where President Trump will be put on trial. He's accused of abuse of power and obstruction. Before signing, Ms. Pelosi had this message for Mr. Trump and future American presidents. Make it be very clear that this president will be held accountable, that no one is above the law, and uh, that no future president should ever entertain the idea that Article 1, I mean, excuse me, Article 2 says that he can do whatever he wants. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chewett and your co-host today is Karen Coe. Karen, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Hugh. Well, the chief executive on Tuesday announced what she said was a $10 billion a year package of relief measures to make life easier for the elderly and poor, including cheap travel for the over 60s. The old age living allowance and higher old age living allowance combined into one subsidy and raised with a higher asset limit. Changes also to the MPF, a cash subsidy for those who have been waiting in public housing for more than three years and an increase in the number of statutory holidays in Hong Kong to 17. Well, what do you think of the proposals? According to some reports, the measures announced without consulting the Executive Council or the Welfare Bureau. What should we make of that? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Give us a call on 233-88266. Later in the programme, how safe is Hong Kong if the new coronavirus from Wuhan can be transmitted between humans? Humans, once again, uh, give us a call with your thoughts, 233-88266. After nine o'clock, we're going to be joined by the head of the Liberal Party, uh, an academic, and uh, Silai Shan from uh, SOCA. Uh, Joining us now, we have uh, lawmaker with the Democratic Party, uh, Wu Chi Wai. We'll get to uh, Mr Wu in just a moment. Um, First of all, a couple of emails uh, related to our earlier discussion, in fact, our discussion yesterday, about uh, uh, the Greater Bay Area and uh, encouraging young people to uh, to travel and work there uh, dc says dear hosts i love how communists love to say you've got to see china see how we've progressed yeah from labor camps in the 1950s to re-education camps in xinjiang in 2019 you really got to see that i'm really bored by this meaningless slogan can their propaganda wing feed them a new one it's 2020 for mao's sake China's development is rapid now because the development was non-existent from the 50s to the 80s. I also loved how the professor uh, kept defending liberal studies as a meaningful subject in school. Even though it's failing tremendously, he's still calling for reinforcements and asking for a double down in resources. I'd like the professor to show me if the countries with the most liberal-minded politician has a liberal studies course for their people. Axit, put the resources in the sciences and programming. When when students can think in a scientific manner, manner they will be open-minded thanks and regards that comes uh, from dc that's referring to uh, professor holok sang and uh, thomas says yesterday on your program you had peter guy because of lack of opportunities in hong kong peter recommended that hong kong's university graduates should go out into the world he stressed his experience with kazakhstan other central asian countries and africa where he gained experience working for the world bank employees of the world bank are highly privileged get top salaries housing and many other benefits when they are sent to countries 
countries, their bed has been prepared already. Kazakhstan is certainly a booming country, the largest of the Central Asian economies, but there are only selective employment opportunities for expatriates or foreigners. The knowledge of Russian language is of definite advantage, almost essential. Most job opportunities for foreigners come through the booming oil and mineral trade, though there are plenty of job opportunities in other sectors such as banking, tourism, hospitality and teaching. Many multinational companies do business here, and if one has marketable skills, basically anything to do with oil, finance or construction, one will probably find it fairly straightforward to get a job. You can also work as an English teacher or tutor if English is the native language or if you have a degree. There are other opportunities in the tourism hospitality industry, but these tend to be not as well paid and locals are often favoured for their positions over expats. My take is that of only a very, very limited number of exceptional Hong Kong graduates will find their position for upward mobility. Peter Guy is looking towards the situation of our young people from very high up with his macro view of the world. That comes uh, from Thomas. Thomas, thank you very much indeed. How do you know so much about Kazakhstan? Thomas, let us know. <laughs> Back down to rthk.hk. OK, to today's uh, first topic, the main topic, that $10 billion, $10 billion a year package uh, announced by the uh, chief executive. Uh, we're joined, as I say, by um, Wu Chi Wai. Mr Wu, good morning to you. Good morning. Now, you've come up with your own proposal, which is uh, $10,000 for handout to everyone. This is, a, this is a weird situation because now the government is recommending an increase in... Uh, 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 expenditure for um, you know, an ongoing commitment to expenditure for the for the poor, and you're talking about a sweetener. It seems like you've swapped jobs with no, the, no, no, with no, the no. financial secretary. First of all, actually, you know, so the budget proposal we have uh, handed for the uh, financial secretary include uh, a lot of long-term commitments that the government should supposed to um, work uh, to to respond to the public concern. And if you look into the 10, 10 billion package by chief executive, um, all the measures that she she has announced is basically coming from um, a lot of the proposal coming from all, all parties, um, all so the NGOs for a long time so, already. So you support it? Well, we support that because, of course, anything that can help the livelihood of the people we will support it. But the problem is Hong Kong is not simply constitutes of um, poor and elderly. We have a whole bunch of people in Hong Kong and uh, they waste their concern, in particular, talking about the political concern, talking about um, within the um, social movement in the past seven months, um, we urged the government to respond to the people's concern in particular, talking about the political structures, talking about uh, um, 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 how to take the police force to be accountable, um, so that setting up of the Independent and Crime Commission is the major concern that across the board. But the government chose not to listen to that and simply relies on the, um, well, the 10 billion package measures in order to gain back the popular support I, I would say uh, that will not be able to do so. And we hope that and urge the government really, really address to the basic and fundamental problem, which is created by Carrie Lam in the extradition bill. So in, in Carrie Lam's press conference on Tuesday after she announced this, she said things like, we are having a breakthrough in our thinking. <laughs> we should be listening more to the people. We should display more humility instead of saying we are right always we should listen to the people and what they have to tell us um so do you think this these 
economic measures, you know, this this $10 billion package is sort of her first step in saying, look, we'll do all these things, then we'll start listening to the political issues. Wow. Um, from what she has said before, she closed all the door for the political measures or people's concern on the political sides. So that will be a huge missing link in order for the government to really gain back the public support for the government. Uh, you can imagine today the public support for the government and also for the police force is in such a low, low 12. So um, if the government cannot gain back the public support, that means the governance will not be able to go smoothly. So I, I think um, Caroline has to consider how she can respond to the public concerns and she cannot simply hide, I mean, hide herself behind the um, political measures that has to use to resolve the problem. And secondly, I would say um, for Carrie Lam, all her measures is come out in a quite strange way. In particular, there's some rumors said that she has not consulted um, chief, I mean the um, uh, executive council or welfare bureaus. That means she come out the measures of her mind suddenly, because a couple of months ago when she announced her um, policy address, she had not said anything on that. Um, so it, it is a quite a strange way that um, Chief Executive like her can simply come out some ideas pop up from her mind uh, without consulting um, executive council or welfare bureaus. You see, some people would say, well, this is an example of the democratic camp always being in opposition and never welcoming good news and never agreeing with the chief executive on principle. If the chief executive is giving you what you want and is saying we've had a breakthrough, I've had a change of mind, and you're still complaining. Well, you're still opposing her. <laughs> well, in terms of the measures itself, of course, we, Democrats, my Democratic Party, we, we agree on that. We support, will you su we, we support that kind of measures. And you will support them in LegCo, will you? Definitely, because that's the things that we we are asking for for a long time. So when the proposal, so when the proposal come to the electoral council, then definitely we will, of course, we will scrutinize the policy itself and find out whether or not there will be any um uh, uh, evil thing in the minor details. So we will scrutinize as usual, but the general principles will get our support on the direction on the move. But we said that is not enough to tackle the political problem today in Hong Kong because there is a huge missing part that the chief executive has not addressed to. And of course, she has already said no to setting up of uh, independent inquiry commissions. He, she has said uh, that uh, there's nothing wrong from the police force. So that is a huge um, um, division from, for the CE to the publics because for the general publics. We can see that a lot, a lot of people turn out to protest against the government. On one hand, protest against are, are on the you, political structure. On the other hand, protest against the police brutality. From what you were saying earlier, are you saying that she's she's ignoring the middle class a little bit? I I, I would say um, the society in Hong Kong constitutes a lot, a lot of people from different classes from um, different um, spectrums. That's a yes, is it? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, you think but that, from the, you think that the, from the 10 billion package itself, 
we can see that um, the majority of them are basically target on um, elderly and poor. We are What's wrong with that? that? What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. They're the people in most need, aren't they? Well, yeah. I agree on that. I have said so already. Not the middle class. But... The middle class might have, might have political problems, but they haven't got economic problems especially. Well, they may have got economic problems too. And that is the reason why um, we make our proposals. On one hand, hand our money. On the other hand, um, 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 expanding the, um, the scale of the tax credit, things like that. But the problem is for a lot of people in Hong Kong, we concern a lot on the um, political fairness and the political structures in Hong Kong, and which is the major concern in the past seven months, turns out in the social movement. But um, KRM simply chose to ignore on that people's concerns. I mean, one of the ideas of this package was to encourage employment in that older age group. This is what Carrie Lam said um, some of these measures would do. But when the economy is in recession and when businesses are closing down, um, is, are these measures really going to do that? I mean, shouldn't there be something else to really encourage employment or help companies or help small businesses? Well, uh, when we are talking about the uh, economic downside, um, the basic reasons are coming from not simply from the uh, uh, local conversations, but it comes all over the world because um, as, I, as far as my understanding, the International Monetary Funds has already announced the report saying that we have to be alert on the coming economic downsides all over the world because of the um, commentations among um, major power. So that will be a, a global problem, not simply a local problem. But of course, in Hong Kong, we need to address to the um, political concerns that raised up by the peoples because Hong Kong is an international financial com- centers. And if we want to keep up our economic, our international financial status, then we have to address to that. If we keep on ignore that particular piece of the problem, then will hurt the uh, implementation of one country, two system. And that will throw a, a, a poor sign to the international community that in Hong Kong, we, we are not really honoring um, the the special test status that we can enjoy according to the one country two system. There are a few kind of political questions. I can think mm. of three sort of political questions which we'll, we'll, we'll get to in turn. But first one, perhaps, is um, why is this happening so soon before the budget? This is a very big measure, $10 billion a yeah, year yeah. commitment, and it's happening just a month before uh, we have the budget. What's going on there? Well, I have no idea. We have to ask Nusi Kerry Lam. But as, um, as some report has said, or some rumor has said um, she has not consulted even the Secretary of the Welfare Bureaus. And I believe definitely she has not consulted our Financial Secretary <laughs> because if she has done so, um, maybe um, um, Paul... She will... wouldn't have let him spend it. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have let her let spend, her spend it. it. So it is strange, but it's not the first time that Karen has done so because um, snapping faces to... Um, her team members is, is is quite a common scene that we have seen before. Almost her MO. Okay, I mean, another point is that um, uh, some observers have said that uh, this looks like 
uh, it's a response to the new head of the liaison office. Um, and some people have said, well, there wouldn't have been time for these measures to... It couldn't be a direct response to the to the new head of the liaison office. And some people said, well, it could. If she worked very hard, she could have rolled these out, you know, in between meeting the liaison office, head of the liaison office for the first time and announcing this. Do you think... What do you think it... Do you think it's a response to the new head of the liaison office? Is it? Well, I can only say in a conspiracy approach that I can't agree or I can't believe that um, she make the proposal simply out of her mind. Um, it seems to me that if she really have that kind of thought, she will probably do it in her policy address three months ago, which is more likely that she can do so. Because it's hard to believe that for such a big or huge move can come out from her mind mm. without any consultation in simply three months' time. If that's the case, that will be another very dangerous situation that um, she can ignore all the proceedings that um, being a, a bureaucrat supposed to have to go through in, in, in her experience in the past, being in the government. So the, the timing makes it look like perhaps... After meeting with the liaison office, uh, new officer, she was told, you have permission to spend some money. Have a breakthrough in your thinking. Yes, yes. Well, I think so. It seems to me it's like that because if we go back to look on what she has said before, she always said that if you urge the government to make long-term commitment, that will hurt the the financial um, healthiness. So... That is the stance she has in the past. But what make her make such a huge change in, I don't think, it, in, in, in a long time, okay. but likely in a couple of days. Well, OK, well, the third, the third political question, I guess, would be about uh, whether this is, this is in response to the, um, to the results of the district council uh, elections. Uh, some people will say, well, the, the people who will benefit from this, the, uh, the, uh, the elderly, the grassroots, are, uh, a lot of them are supporters of the DAB and are supporters of the, of the pro-establishment forces and that this is to uh, keep them happy. Um, any comment on that? Well, for though I... No comments on that because um, the measures itself coming out from not simply from DAB, from Democratic parties, from all the pan-democrat camps, um, organizations, from the NGOs that fight for um, the poverty for a long time. So to me, it is a late response coming from the um, chief executive. But of course, the timing show that the things that make uh, make her change in such a huge direction is basically not coming from the agreement on um, that is the that is the um, concern coming from the people but it's likely that he get the I, I won't say order but maybe some some green lights coming from the um, um, uh, liaison office. Mm. Okay, some some comment from uh, listeners. First of all, G says, uh, if the chief executive has not consulted the executive council, she may well be acting unconstitutionally and contrary to basic law article 56.2. Is she failing to uphold the basic law? That question uh, from G. 
David says, I'm sorry, this is, uh, no, this is from, let's go to another one, actually. Let's go to this message, perhaps from Tom, on our Facebook page, who says, uh, I feel that some of the newly announced $10 billion package for the elderly, as well as the $10 billion package for Ocean Park, would probably be better spent sending secondary school students for school visits and home stays to mainland China. I just visited Shenzhen, and everyone there is dining out at the plethora of new restaurants, advancing their careers, and are doing fine. But Hong Kong young people seem to mistakenly believe Lord Voldemort's evil empire begins 100 metres north of Lok Marchau MTR station. Just as desegregation measures have helped dispel mistaken beliefs in the US... Over the long run, government-sponsored cultural exchanges would very much help Hong Kong. That observation from Tom. Thank you very much indeed. Joe Average says, I'd like the government to put resources for RTHK transmitters to have more power because we're being blasted out by Chinese radio signals, so I don't always get RTHK the same as digital television. Second, it would be more appropriate for the government to give each person $20,000 handout. And then we could fire up Lan Kwai Fong, we could all go to Ocean Park, we could go out to restaurants, we could even buy food that's expensive from the supermarkets, <laughs> we could pay off credit card bills because we know what a bunch of thieves the banks are, we could even go for holidays in Hong Kong in the hotels and fire up the hotel industry if they lowered their hotel prices. It'd be more appropriate to pump money into the power stations to produce cheaper electricity and build a great desalination plant to produce water for Hong Kong, just making job creation because we need those jobs. Those observations from Joe Average. Wu Chi Wai, this uh, $10,000 for everyone in Hong Kong. What's what's the thinking there? I, think, I thought this is exactly what you didn't want. Handouts, knee-jerk sweeteners and handouts for, for people. Well, the problem is oh, when the governments keep saying that um, they have a huge number of reserve and then they make use of the money to build what we call white elephant constructions, um, put money on the police force. That is totally against the people's wills. So we believe that um, in order to um, make Hong Kong peoples at least find ways to um, share what they have done for the past, um, 10,000 turned out is on one hand one of the ways to do so. On the other hand, um, inside our proposals, we also urge the government to commit on a lot of long-term investment in Hong Kong. Take, for example, we propose that the government should allow the Guantan loan um, being applicable for the students to not only study in Hong Kong, but study for overseas. Um, so I, I would say um, our proposal is, on one hand, try to urge the government to respond to the people's concern raised up in the past seven months. The, on the other hand, um, we also urge the government really have to concede, I mean, uh, think seriously on uh, the political problem in Hong Kong. Um, so I would say it is a balanced proposal, balanced budget proposal for the government, so that if the, the government really agree on our proposals for the whole package, then um, it will show at least a direction that the government really listen to the people's voice. Well, given that um, Carrie Lam says that you know they are now trying to listen to people, w would you have any expectation that something that you propose would actually go through? Well, it's not easy because when the proposal is coming from us, um, it takes a long time to get the attention from Carrie Lam. Just like all the... Um, is, is, isn't the real problem, it won't get through LegCo because you've crippled LegCo. Pardon me? LegCo is not working properly. 
the House Committee, the Finance Committee is not working properly because But it's you. the government not working properly. If the government responds to the people's concerns, things will change a lot. It is the problem of the government uh, which root all the problem today. But a lot of time, the government and the poor establishment can don't take that seriously. And as a result, um, the only way that we can keep on the fight is um, people fight on the street. We fight, we fight on in the council. Why not pick your fights? And when the government is right, applaud them and say yes. We we, we say them. yes already. When you, when you disagree, then you then you uh, well, oppose we, them. We, we by, say yes already. By, but by messing up the and stopping debate effectively in the legislative council, you're just you're just opposing, opposing, opposing. You're blocking, blocking. No, blocking. no, that no. no I don't anyone. agree on that. On, on one hand, when the government put up the proposal in the finance committee, of course we will scrutinize seriously, and at the end of the day, it will get passed. Um, when we are talking about the, um, uh, the, 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 the legislation act in the council, that is another issue because that will create um, serious and in, I mean um, serious um, um, aftermath, aftermath results coming out from the enactment. So we have to be very, very careful. In particular, today um, we have a lot of um, uh, untrust to the government. And we have to be um, very careful that whether or not there will be any any latent effect out of the act, out of the move coming from the government. Take for example, uh, try not to make use of the um, bills committee properly, and then simply um, um, uh, find ways to bypass it. Is it a good way or good precinct for the government to um, to do the uh, law enactment work? I don't think so. But at this point, because there's so much deep-seated um, mistrust and, and conflict, it almost seems like whatever, if Carrie Lam were to come up with some political proposals, they would just be opposed anyway because they're not exactly the ones that, that the Democrats want. Well, of course, whether, very, not very, you, very briefly, whether or not you do it is another matter. But if you really want to address the problem politically and uh, open up the consultation gate, I think people would like to go into details to discuss this her. Okay, well, Wu Chi Mai of the Democratic Party, uh, Legislator, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Uh, uh, others will be joining us uh, after the news at, at night uh, for our discussion on that $10 billion package proposed by the Chief Executive. We're also going to be talking about the Wuhan virus uh, later. Join us. The weather, mainly cloudy, 19 degrees at the moment, relative humidity is at 86%. She feigned early before has now been exposed for being um, not just untrue, but, uh, you know, her motives are now purely political. I think we see that. The Democrats are well short of the two-thirds majority in the Senate needed to remove Mr Trump from office. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Thursday morning with Karen Coe and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about a response to that $10 billion, $10 billion a year package proposed uh, on Tuesday by the uh, chief executive covering lots of uh, uh, issues, uh, including uh, cheaper travel, uh, uh, an increase of, the, well, combining the old age living allowance and the higher old age living allowance, increasing that, uh, raising the asset limit, changes to the MPF, a cash subsidy for people waiting for 
for uh, public housing, increasing the number of statutory holidays uh, for uh, everyone uh, to uh, 17. Uh, well, uh, joining us uh, uh, in the first part of the programme, we had Wu Chi Wai, Democratic Party lawmaker. We're now joined by Vera Yun, Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Felix Chung, who's the head of the Liberal Party and legislator, and Silai Shan, community organiser from the from SOCO, the Society for Community Organisations, later also going to be talking about the Wuhan uh, virus. Uh, join in, call us, 233-88266, or better yet, uh, send us an email, backchat at rthk.hk, because all our phone lines are busy at the moment. OK, uh, a couple of uh, emails, first of all. Uh, Holger says, good morning. This morning on RTHK, various politicians were asked about their opinion that the Chinese New Year fireworks were cancelled. Uh, Civic Party leader Tanya Chan was the only one who could not understand the reason to cancel it, reasoning that the police have so many resources and getting even the new laser weapons, etc., in order to control the crowds. I do not believe they would have new weapons next week when the government just announced studying these weapons. Second, how ironic is her argument with the background that we have at the moment bomb findings and bomb manufacturing facilities on a regular basis basis. Considering the threat of these, the rioters, etc., I found it irresponsible by such a politician to make such statements. It shows me she has no capability to govern this place in a responsible way. She is a slap in the face of voters who voted against the present government. Like uh, thoughts from uh, Holger. Uh, Jay says the government needs to employ skilled people who do know what they're talking about then set up a bureau to go through each government department and restructure all the BS that is screwing up the system throw out the graduates and replace with older, qualified people uh, with intelligence. And Mike says, I want, I want more money for a better police force. What's wrong with you? Yesterday, the police investigation stopped a bomb threat. These guys could have killed scores of innocent people. You're just completely whack. And that uh, observation from Mike. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk is uh, uh, our address. Uh, Miss Yoon, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Thanks for, for joining us again. So, I mean, this package of measures, as I say, covers a kind of a, a, a lot of things, social welfare and transport and uh, uh, as well as our holidays. Um, what, what do you make of it? What, what are your overall thoughts, first of all, on this $10 billion commitment? Well, I think the overall direction is um, correct because um, their automatic stabilizers, the economy is kind of going down and it, it kind of have a more gloomy prospect in you know, the year 2020. So um, the government should step up in, you know, providing, you know, help to the vulnerable household and needy. And I think um, overall it's in the right direction. I mean, we call it automatic stabilizers, which means the government save up in good times and spend more in bad times. And on top of these, there are those, um, you know, counter cyclical packages and also the government has a lot of money so um, it is capable of doing so and of course um, for some of the details I may not agree with the policy configuration but overall the direction it's the right one. So Ms. Yen, um, Hugh said in the first half of the program, you weren't here, but the timing of it is very interesting because, of course, the budget is coming out next month. You know, and it seems from what we're hearing that um, this package is, has been come as quite a surprise. Uh, do you, what what would you then expect from the budget, or you know maybe this was going to be in the budget but has has come out earlier? Um, I think it's both a response um, to the economic downturn and also um, a political response to what happened in the past you know seven to eight months. Um, in the budget, there will be more 
no measures like um, I don't know fundings to certain industries and for um, small medium enterprises that kind of thing. But these things come earlier. Um, I, I don't want to make an you know uninformed guess, but you know these things are kind of you know make a better year like opening for for the government. Do, do you think you call this sort of, sort of stabilizing measures? But do you think that? Um Helping the poor and the uh, elderly. Do you think they're particularly vulnerable? Then, do you think that the people who will particularly, uh, you know, uh, lose out in uh, in an economic downturn? Yeah, I I think um, to a certain extent, yes, because you know the elderly and those people, like they will be different. if they're unemployed, then they will be quite vulnerable. And you you may see that you know the unemployment may raise a little bit um, because the so we're talking about the kind of the working poor, really. E e yeah, the service industry, like not not the middle class. So um, it's a targeting measure. And of course, the people debate about whether it's to be discriminatory, you know, targeting measures or whether it should be universal. But I, I think, you know, we are well known of the trade-off between targeted or non-discriminatory policies. What do you make of the Democratic Party's proposal to give everyone $10,000? Well, I think it's also good. Um, I don't have a strong stance between the two choice. The problem with um, the current measures, many of them are based on the existing institution because the administration fee is high in finding the new, you know, non-targeted poors who are not already in the welfare system. And given the experience of, you know, giving out, you know, $4,000 last year, that takes like, like ages, the government mm. now resorted to um, the original, you know, existing institutions and kind of extended a bit. So the pitfall would be those people who are not already in the system, they w might be missed out. And if we want to find them and target them, uh, target them um, it would take longer. And also, they, you know, they just fall into the cracks of the welfare system. Mm -hmm. uh, when they gave out, was it six thousand? Well, there was the caring and sharing scheme, which was four thousand dollars. But I mean, the previous. Oh, and the previous was the, yeah, I think six thousand to everybody. Oh, that was many years yeah. ago. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, and that was done. I still remember it. That was <laughs> that was done quite fast, wasn't it? Because that was just everyone. You just had to have an ID. Yes, card, just register the bank account, and it 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 was done quite you know um, in a swift. Yeah. Is this, does this almost amount to a universal pension? Because people have been saying that if you in, the, the the way that the uh, old age living allowance has been structured now and increased the limits, it's getting close to a universal pension. Maybe you should just go with a universal pension. Yeah, I think we should look at the expenditure it would um, incur year after year. So when the elderly population grows, um, the whole the lump sum of spending on this elderly security will also grow. And if that actually get close to um, the amount we need for universal pension, it it is worth a switch. But um, I need to look at the um, numbers before I can make that statement. Okay, a couple of comments from our listeners. Thank you. This is from Sam, first of all, uh, who says, What right has the chief executive and Paul Jan to give away sweeteners? It's people's money. Isn't, doesn't this amount to some sort of bribe? Fifteen years of unprecedented budget surpluses that even baffled the financial secretaries, who were clueless of their own estimates. All these self-centred, selfish, non-imaginative financial secretaries could say over the years was prudent spending to retain the money for a rainy day. 
In the hindsight, they wanted to retire with big handshakes and a fat pension. No politician, be they pro-establishment or pandemic, were ever concerned to demand a universal pension scheme for the senior citizens who could not afford a roof above their heads, despite numerous requests made over this radio waves. Even the protesters could not include such a demand into their five says a lot. They're just sacrificing themselves to prop up the pandems. I believe there's nothing called a free lunch. What sudden concern for senior citizens will Carrie and Paul stop these sweeteners and establish a simple mechanism to identify senior citizens through the electoral list and cross-check with inland revenue on income levels. Properties owned and put in place a proper universal pension scheme immediately. Just patchwork, Miss Lamb. Are you and Paul willing to forgo your pensions and live in a public housing unit after retirement? Give that surplus back to the people, as Macau does. You can't fool all the people all the time. Pro-establishment party acts dumb. That's uh, Sam's take. And uh, S says the government needs to give serious thought about the statutory holidays as it will further affect businesses, especially the restaurants. Uh, Felix Chung, good morning to you. Good morning. I, I, I think uh, Tommy Chung, uh, uh, a Liberal Party member, uh, of course, an executive councillor, has, uh, has also raised the issue of the, of, of the restaurants. What do you think overall of the, of the government's package? Well, the overall government package, I think, that will help um, the low-income group and the elderly, which we, we all believe that it's worthwhile to do. Uh, but a lot of the proposal actually have no details, has no timetable, so we do not know when that can be done and when uh, she is going to uh, uh, put it uh, in policy. So uh, we still have to wait and see. I mean, this is just a framework, so there's no details about that. But would you, do you support this in principle? Do you support all the ideas? Uh, in principle, yes. Of course, we have some concern about the statutory uh, holidays raised from uh, um, 12 days to 17, 17 days. Because in the beginning of uh, Carrie Lam's um, terms, she did promise that she will only do um, two um, policy relating to the labor welfare. The first one is the abolish of the MPF offsetting mechanism. The other one is the maternity leave um, raised from 10 weeks to 14 weeks, which we've been uh, discussing about this week. So now suddenly she adds an additional one, the labor um, welfare, which have never consulted the business sector. And so we, we are a bit uh, upset about that. We do not mean that we cannot... Um, discuss about this but i mean as she promised that and suddenly she uh, she promised only to do two things and suddenly she had another one and um, which uh, we are we're not happy about that and mr chung what what is your the objection i mean what exactly impact do you think the increasing those statutory holidays would have um of course from uh, the secretary logic Kwong, he he only said oh oh if you talking about the cost it will only raise about 0.37% per day. Um, so if you're talk, thinking about five days, it's only 1.7%, so which is not uh, a big a big deal. But actually, it, it looks like it's not a big deal. But if you think about uh, all the other labor uh, welfare policy added together, for example, abolish of the MPF offsetting, um, adding not the maternity leave, but the pater um, uh, paternity leave. And then the, 
if everybody have 17 days of public holiday, we we have to think about uh, the manpower situations of those, especially you mentioned about the catering business, the retail business, and and uh, for example, um, 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 a logistic business. That's all things we need additional manpower on the holiday. So do we have sufficient manpower? We have to think about that. Of course, that will additionally increase the cost. Certainly, we can transfer the cost back to the consumer. But, I mean, that will increase um, the burden of, of the consumer again. The, the other thing is nobody have aware of that. The government never mentioned about whether the domestic helper will also have this benefit or not. And we have around 400,000 domestic helper in Hong Kong. I assume they would. If it's statutory, yeah. then they would. Yeah, but, but they haven't mentioned about that. But that will certainly affect about 400,000, well, maybe less than that, uh, of households. So when people get holiday, but actually they have to work at home because the household, uh, domestic helper also have the holiday. Okay, Si Lai Shan from uh, Soko, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Uh, what, what about uh, that issue of the statutory holidays? Uh, what do you think of the government proposal or the government saying that they well, they want to extend those? I think we welcome uh, the measures uh, the government introduced. <clears throat> and I think those uh, uh, measures um, that actually uh, for the lower class people, they uh, wait for a long time and asking for a long time. So they just actually at this time the response is already really late, <clears throat> and I think if they can do more, it would be benefit those workers, and then uh, we have uh, uh, can uh, um, more easier for them to get rid of property and have more incentive to work better. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, what about the other measures? Uh, do you think this is the right way? If you've got $10 billion uh, a year to spend, is this the right thing to spend it on? And I think um, because for those uh, measures, they uh, target those uh, uh, low-income workers, those uh, uh, people they are living in subdivided first. So um, uh, um, I think, for, for example, the legislation for rent uh, uh Control is uh, we demand for for years, and actually before we we do have this kind of law, but the um, but they disbanded uh, uh, before. So um, so, but we at this point they still need to uh, study. So we hope they will introduce the the legislation uh, uh, as soon as possible because now the rent is very expensive, and the income of people they you know uh, increase. Uh, or even in the past half year, actually many of people they are uh, reduced their income. Um, they are under, underemployed, or some of them they even are uh, um, unemployed. Uh, as you know, the employment rate increased. Yeah. So, some of these measures, then, do you think where the government's really playing catch up and doing things that they, that should have been done a long time ago? And if yeah. if that's the case, is that really going to make much difference to these people? Uh, yeah, actually, the government, they are not doing anything new. Actually, it's just these kind of uh, uh, measures that they should do a long time ago. So, of course, if they do it, they will uh, make uh, uh, some difference uh, and some change for, or, for, or improvement for these people. Uh, but, of course, one more core uh, 
uh, uh, uh, demand for those uh, living in Sabiwa Desert, uh, they didn't. They want their uh, public housing more than their cash uh, subsidy, actually. But of course, if, if there's some subsidy, uh, cash subsidy, uh, when they are waiting, public housing longer, longer time, it's better than nothing. And and of course, we concern for example the subsidy amount for one person is still very low because uh, that kind of amount only can uh, rent a flat space cage home. Yeah, so it's not really uh, um, really uh, good enough to help them. And and will these measures, uh, for example, also the the transport benefit measures, will they actually encourage employment? Will it, will it help people get jobs I, and keep jobs? I don't know. I doubt whether they will help them. But we do have some elderly. They are 60 or 61, 62. They are working. And their income actually is less than, than when they are before 60. And if they just need to pay two, two door instead of 10 door. They, they, they feel happy and they help them to reduce their burden. Uh, Felix Chung, there's been speculation, we were talking about it earlier, about uh, th- this seems to be a solo effort, or almost a solo effort by the chief executive and reports that the executive council weren't involved, the executive council uh, weren't, uh, uh, weren't consulted. Uh, Tommy Chung, your colleague, uh, is an executive councillor. Uh, was he consulted? Was, was this talked about with Exco? mentioned about to us because of the confidential um, issue on the executive council. He cannot just tell us everything. But uh, from the response that he is making yesterday to the press, I think he uh, he's, he's also not happy with the arrangement, especially about the um, statutory holiday. Is, so, he, is, he uh, surprised, guess, is he surprised by the arrangement? Um, I think so. I think so. From from what he he responds to the press yesterday, so um, um, uh, again, as I said, um, the chief executive promised us not to do that much of um, labour welfare, only only do two things. But now she's making another promise to to the labour um, labour sector. I mean. Uh, as I said, I, I don't mind to discuss that or, or make agreement with uh, with the labour sector. But I mean, with uh, um, consultations earlier with us, is is a must. It cannot just make the decisions like that. Probably, um, you know, when she met uh, the um, chairman Xi a couple of times in Beijing and Shanghai, um, as the central government. Uh, urge her to do more uh, social welfare and economic development on, in Hong Kong. So probably uh, she's working on that direction. Okay. Well, uh, Felix Chung, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you to uh, Vera Yun, Assistant Lecturer in the Faculty of Business and Economics at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to Silai Shan from uh, SoCo Community Organiser. A uh, couple more comments uh, from listeners. Joe says, why can the government not start at the beginning, reduce electricity bills, reduce water bills, reduce government rates, fuel charges, uh, and so on? Uh, the public do not want masses of paperwork because it costs us man hours, time, and money. Uh, and uh, Toby says, can Wu Chi Wai 
confirmed that the $10,000 he wants the government to hand out to all includes police officers. Uh, if so, he may get my vote. That comes from uh, Toby. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Alan, maybe I'll try and get your uh, email in later. But we wanted to turn uh, finally today to uh, news that uh, uh, mainland authorities have acknowledged for the first time that a new virus that's infected people in Wuhan may be spreading between humans, although they say the possibility of this is low. For comment, we're joined now by Dr Henry Young, President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union, and Dr Gabriel Choi, who's a former president of the Hong Kong Medical Association, uh, Dr. Young, good morning to you. Good morning, Governor. Does, 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 does that change things in Hong Kong? Should we be preparing in a different way because of that information? Well, I think uh, the Hong Kong uh, medical uh, community is already prepared for that uh, uh, kind of infections since the 2003, when in SARS we have such quite experience that uh, even uh, with uh, uh, spread among human beings and also uh, high infectivity rates that we, we are accustomed to that already. And uh, until now, this new uh, uh, disease uh, seems there's a limit uh, spread among human beings and uh, the mortality rates are not so high uh, that we are not so worried at the moment, but we, we should be on high high alerts on this uh, kind of disease. Uh, I, we, 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 are, we are not sure whether there's a, an evolution that you may get more uh, powerful at the end of the year. So, Dr. Young, with, with, as we saw with uh, SARS back in 2003, with something new, a new sort of virus, since nobody really knows how it's spread, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What, what does that mean for us in Hong Kong in terms of the way we carry out our daily lives, the way uh, you know, communities and things like schools organise themselves? I, I, I think that uh, at the present moment... Uh, we should be highly under on this kind of disease. Uh, we, 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 we come to Hong Kong, and we, we have already uh, cases in in, uh, in Thailand and also in Japan. Uh, we, we, are, we, are, we, we, we expect some uh, have some cases uh, com, com, coming from the mainland. So so far uh, in the in the uh, doctors' uh, circles, uh, we are highly alert of those cases who have fever and have been travel history in. That we 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 immediately uh, uh, alert, we be alert and, and convince the patients to go to the uh, government hospital straight away to straight away to receive the appropriate care. This is a way to to limit the spread of such these if this such if such happens in Hong Kong. Yeah, and I was going to say this at the same time we we're in flu season and there are quite a number of cases of of uh, influenza. So. How, I mean, in terms of diagnosis, how ready are we and how, how much do we know about whether someone has the regular flu or whether they have this new virus? We cannot differentiate the two, by the way. We cannot differentiate the two because the, the symptoms will be the same. And uh, the way to protect ourselves is first get the flu shot, the influenza uh, vaccination. And uh, so that if there, you, it happens that when there's a patient coming from Wuhan and fever, and um, uh, just as I said, I, we, we, the doctors will really uh, want those uh, citizens who go to the uh, government hospital straight away to limit the spread in the community in, in case there's a case, such a case there. And if you got the uh, influenza vaccination, there's a lower chance that you got the influenza, and, and 
uh, um, there will be lower chance of those uh, cases from Wuhan, the, 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 the new uh, disease. They will go into the body and uh, mix with the new virus, the influenza virus to increase the, the, the way of transmission. Uh, at the end of the day, if there's any mutations uh, uh, between the two viruses. Uh, Dr. Choi, good morning to you, uh, and thanks for joining us. It seems that in the case that's been mentioned, uh, it concerned the wife of somebody who worked at the market, which is, you know, considered to be a centre for the uh, for, for the disease. So the, there would be a very kind of close. She, apparently, she hadn't visited the market, but as I say, she was, uh, you know, she was married to somebody who worked there. What what would we learn? Can we tell anything from that about the mode of transmission from from that relationship from that incident? Well, we are not sure about the mode of transmission. We know that there is a virus transmitted from uh, probably some animal uh, stock in the market and spread to the human, and we are not very sure whether there is human-to-human spread. The China statistic uh, only reveal only 41 cases. We are not sure whether this is accurate or not because China tends to not tends not to reveal all uh, the figures it has uh, in the past, so we're not very sure about that. But uh, even with the 41 cases, there are seven seriously ill and with one died. So this is a serious illness and not just uh, any minor flu. So uh, we need to be extra cautious. And with the uh, emergence of uh, two cases in Thailand and uh, Japan, we have to be. Uh, very cautious that uh, the illness is being exported uh, outside of China. And uh, if the, the point of issue is whether this is a human-to-human, uh, there is human-to-human spread. If there is, then uh, the export of these patients outside of China may cause a, a worldwide pandemic, uh, depending on the uh, transmissibility and the the seriousness of the illness and the contagious uh, uh, degree of the illness. Can, can I ask so also? We, yeah, if you look at if, yeah, if you look at that pattern of in, infection, as you say, you're talking about a kind of a cluster of cases around uh, Wuhan associated with that market, and then you've got Hong Kong and uh, Japan. You, you mentioned uh, and Thailand. Uh, the obvious thing is, well, what, what about the rest of China? Well, how come there's a big hole there? Is that credible, or do you think that there must be a further cases in between? I, I think personally, uh, China may be playing it very playing it down uh, and not uh, uh, spreading a, a alarm to the general public. And this is the trend that uh, the, the type of uh, uh, approach that it uh, takes in the past. So uh, we're not very sure about the the, uh, the, 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 the figures whether it's very very accurate or not. So, um, and this is what China has to face, whether it wants to just cover it up or whether it wants the public to be uh, aware, because the public in China is thinking that this is a not a serious illness and uh, they are not wearing masks and uh, not taking the necessary precautions. Okay, well, Gabriel Choi, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, Former president of the Medical Association. Uh, Thanks to president of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union, Dr Henry Young. Thank you very much indeed. Just a couple more uh, emails before we leave. On the $10 billion package, uh, Ben... 
says, uh, good morning. The government uses public money to bribe older people who are mostly pro-government to benefit the Legislative Council elections to establishment camp. Another way, police releases information to purchase high-voltage electronic electric guns to so-called crowd control without public consultation. Government tries to divide society, similar with mainland Republican Party way to control. No freedom of speech on sensitive issues. No opposition party. That comes from Ben. And uh, Alan... Uh, says so Carrie Lam is listening again listening to the Hong Kong people the information services department put up this video on the 13th of January and there's a link to a YouTube uh, uh, video called Hong Kong protests the facts Alan says they give credit for the music trail and conspiracy so no ambiguity about the effect intended in the six minute uh, video entitled Hong Kong protests the facts there is not one mention of why people are protesting nothing about extradition the five demands just a highlight reel of violence, though oddly not Yuen Long, the 21st of July. Not one scene of millions of peaceful people part, uh, marching, singing, hands joined, the peaceful DC elections and the result. It ends with, quote, Hong Kong will not become a pawn in Western government and media attempts to undermine our sovereign China, unquote. Just pushing this stupid conspiracy theory, the protests were all a part of some evil foreign plan. So it's a criminal problem, a national security problem, not a political problem. Carrie is not going to to listen to anyone. It would be unpatriotic to even talk to the cockroaches. That comes uh, from Alan. Alan, thank you very much indeed for that uh, email. And uh, Karen, many thanks to you. Thank you, Hugh. For joining us today. Back at 8.30 tomorrow. Here's the weather. Many cloudy, sunny periods and maximum temperature today about 23 degrees. Uh, becoming moderate north northwesterly uh, winds uh, at night and a couple of light rain patches overnight. 20 degrees, the latest readings, and the relative humidity is now at 84%. When handling fresh and chilled poultry, we must observe good hygiene and follow steps to prevent avian influenza. When buying live chickens, never touch them and do not blow at their bottoms. After handling poultry and eggs, do not touch your eyes, nose, or mouth. Clean your hands and the utensils used. The core temperature of food should reach 75 degrees Celsius. Eggs should be fully cooked too. The Food and Environmental Hygiene Department reminds you to maintain good hygiene and eat safely to prevent avian influenza. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. Japan's health ministry says a Chinese man has tested positive in the country's first case of a new coronavirus from Wuhan. The man in his 30s is a resident of Kanagawa Prefecture and returned to Japan last week after travelling to Wuhan. He's since recovered and been discharged from hospital. The U.S. and China have signed a partial deal aimed at easing the 18-month trade war between the world's two biggest economies. It contains pledges for China to buy a total of $200 billion worth of U.S. goods in the manufacturing, energy, agriculture and service sectors. And the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, has signed the articles of impeachment, which have now been sent to the Senate, where President Trump will be put on trial. He's accused of abuse of power and obstruction. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Well, he talks to journals ha. as the stories unfold. Shooby-dooby, musos and actors. Good morning. No matter young or that old. There's tons of stuff going on. Moves them through the studio. Oh, yes, yes. Before their coffee gets cold. Don't be stupid, drink it. Because Phil Whelan likes to chat. Imagine helping people with just downloading an app.